This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv an unmatched dual threat. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into a special Monday edition of the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, film analyst here at the OBR, and I'm excited to have a, uh, a special episode for you guys today. I think it'll be really good uh, for you guys to hear from Jake Trotter, who works with ESPN, uh, obviously is the beat reporter there, took over prior to the 2019 season, uh, spent his first full season last year up in Cleveland, and I've had him on this podcast a couple times, always really insightful stuff. Little caveat about this issue, we recorded this session on Friday, so we did not see any of the news on Michael Dunn or uh, obviously the uh, MJ Stewart news, which we have something posted on the OBR this morning, little film breakdown of uh, some clips of MJ's two-year career in the NFL. But yeah, we did not get to any of those player movements or Jarvis Landry coming off the the uh, pup list and all of those things. So that information we did not have. Nonetheless, still a really insightful interview, and I hope you guys do enjoy it. So let's get over to that interview now. So, Jake, we're talking a little bit off the air, man, about like the weirdness of this training camp in terms of the access that might be had for reporters. Like, what is – I don't know. Maybe you don't know. Maybe – I mean, I know that us here at the OBR, Fred Greetham, there's not a clear picture. Do you guys have a clear picture of being able to, to get into those live practices when they're in pads? Yeah, we do not have a clear picture yet, Jake. I have like some idea of what it might look like, just given some of the discussions, uh, you know, some of the media groups have had with the NFL. Uh, that you know, there's been talk about um, a tier two versus a tier three. Uh, there would be a, a a very few amount of people in the tier two M, tier two media, you know, five, six, seven people, something like that. Uh, they would have to have regular testing of some kind, you know, every other day, twice a week. I'm not sure yet what it would be. Um, 
supposedly those people would have access to the building, although I don't know that that is set in stone. And somebody told me actually the other day that the wide receiver meeting room is in the media, where the media room is, media workroom is right now. So if that's the case, obviously uh, there would be nowhere for media to go. And then in terms of how, you know, you would watch training camp. I mean, I, I have not heard any specifics on that. Um, the other thing with tier two is you supposedly would be able to interview the head coach in person, but some teams are not doing that. And I don't know what the Browns are doing there either. Um, whereas tier three would have limited uh, training camp access from just watching it from a distance and then would only be able to interview Kevin Stefanski on zoom calls. But this is what I've heard. Like there's no official uh, agreement that is in place and, and training camp, you know, it's not that far away from starting in earnest. And we, uh, we still don't know exactly how it's going to work. And then, you know, beyond that, there's not, there's not going to be any open locker room, um, which, uh, you know, to be honest, will make this job uh, very challenging because, you know, in the past covering the NFL uh, with open locker room and really all the professional sports are this way, you know, you go up and talk to who you need to. If I need to ask Baker, like, a question, I can just go up and ask him. Or if I need to talk to him about something, if I need to, like, get something from Joel Batonio or uh, Jarvis Landry, you can just go get it. And now um, you have these Zoom calls. And one thing I found, just given the amount of media that, that, you know, it covers the Browns that are on these Zoom calls, like, you get one question, maybe two, and that's it. And that makes it kind of difficult to do uh, your own thing. So it's going to be uh, a unique challenge. Um, but like, you know, whatever profession you're in, I mean, we're all dealing with challenges. So um, it's just part of the way of the world right now, uh, particularly in this country. Um, but as far as like specifics, I, I don't know a lot. I don't know where TV shots will be exactly. Uh so I don't know what the vantage point is going to be. So it is going to be really weird. That's for sure. Do, do you know if they're letting you guys in the media room or the uh, press box for for um, for game days? Do and not stuff? know. No. Wow. Do not know. No idea. Yeah, it's going to be. And it, it's it stinks, man, because it's such an interesting new group, right? Like this is the year to me that you would it would be so fascinating to to hear the day by day training camp of of what Stefanski thinks and a lot of these new faces that are joining. So it's. I get it, man. It's uniquely challenging and, and unfortunate at the same time that we can't get the access that we normally get to these guys because it has the potential to be a really fun year. Like I, I posed this question the other day, and I'm, I'm curious your opinion. These empty stadiums, man, a lot of these guys thrive. Football's unique. You're moving guys off of spots all the time, and it's such an adrenaline sport, man. Like You're either running away from someone trying to physically hurt you or you're physically trying to move somebody from one place to the next. It's one of the more challenging sports that we've ever seen. And it's like so much of it is adrenaline-based. Do you think we're going to see some weird results because guys aren't going to be able to feed on that crowd and that atmosphere that they're typically used to? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely possible. I was really curious to see what the NBA was going to look like in the bubble, um, you know, in these gyms that don't even really have bleachers. Uh in Orlando in the, uh, the Disney bubble. And I have been pretty pleased with like just the viewing um, of these games, just the, it doesn't really feel that weird to me. Um, I thought they've done an excellent job just in, in setting up the ambience that 
yeah, it's not like uh, you have home crowds like a normal NBA game, but you really, it really doesn't take away from the enjoyment of watching. At least I haven't found that. And you know, it's only going to get better uh, once we uh, get the playoffs started. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think football is even a little bit different, particularly the NFL, uh, college football as well, though. And, uh, you know, home field matters. Um, and it is, I don't know. I, I, you're asking me something that like I haven't seen. So, uh, these guys haven't played in, in empty stadiums, you know, like sometimes ever. Uh, so I, I don't know what it's going to be, be like. I mean, I, I do think there's going to be an advantage to the teams that can bring, uh, intensity regardless, but you know, we've seen, you know, we've seen where there have been crowds there that like teams just come out flat for whatever reason, even with the home crowds. Uh, so, uh, that, that is a, that is another one of the many unknowns with uh, this upcoming season. And that's what's fascinating to me is like, yeah, the energy, the vibe, all of that stuff. Some guys feed off of it. There's no doubt about that. But like the communication, like basketball and baseball are almost free-flowing sports, right? Where like if you and I played a pickup basketball game, we'd have a general idea of where to stand and where to run and where to go all the time. But, you know, the NBA obviously gets a bit more complicated with plays and things of that nature. But like football is 11 guys on each side of the ball needing to communicate and know what's going on all the time. And like you said, home field gets particularly... I mean, vastly less valued because there's nobody causing difficulty in that communication, right? And, like, I'm thinking to myself, even I, I think out there, Jake, like, quarterbacks have these helmet, you know, voices. Like, can can the can the defense now hear the play? Like, because those helmet volumes are cranked up, right? Like, those things are cranked up so the quarterbacks can hear amongst the crowd. It's like, how do they change that? Do they change the approach with quarterback helmets and volume? Like, there's a lot of interesting things I think that could go on this year with this stuff that is beyond just the the vibe of, uh, you know, the stadium and that stuff. And you, you're right about that. So it's going to be interesting to me, man, to, to, to see – what changes? Like, are they going to run guys in with plays? Like, old school, high school football? Like, that stuff is very interesting to me. Um, you know, because the communication vastly changes. You know, it's, a, it's, a great, it's a great question to ask. Uh, you know, we have one, one, one of my colleagues is working on a story just about, like, how tackling might change this training camp. Uh, you know, Kevin Stavitz Friday when we're taping this, and, and Stefanski's talking later today. I think what you just brought up is an interesting question. Like, First of all, they haven't even announced who the play caller is because they were going to use the preseason games to audition Alex Van Pelt. Um, now, I think it's still going to be Van Pelt, but there are a lot of these like things we sort of take for granted like that where um, – and, and I think that's just why there's so much on Stefanski is there's a huge learning curve to being a first-time head coach, right? Um, and, and I have been really impressed with Stefanski, and I think he'll do a good job. Um, but – Still, I mean, there's a lot on your t- on your plate when you're figuring this out, going through it for the first time, and then you've got all these other subtle obstacles and challenges that that they have to work through, and and that is one of them. Where like, okay, so how are you going to like get the play call in now? Um, because everything is going to be so different. And oh, by the way, we don't necessarily know they're not going to be fans in some of these games. I mean, sure. I ultimately think it's probably very unlikely we'll have fans, but we we don't know yet. We interrupt this podcast to talk about Sundays or coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. You never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. 
so you can catch all of the fanless action, right? As no fans are going to be in the stands, you might as well watch every single game. So no matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv to use that promo code BLUEWIRE. And we're also going to talk to you about our good friends over at DealDash. DealDash is the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you never expect at prices you never believe. Thousands of auctions every day on electronics, appliances, and much, much more. You know how it works. It's an auction. Every item starts at $0. The kicker is that each bid made the clock resets to just 10 seconds. So every time you bid, everyone else just has 10 seconds to answer the items yours. That's the way you can sneak away with some really cheap prices on great products. So go ahead and buy now. DealDash is offering our listeners an extra free 100 bids upon sign up on their top of their other great discounts. So go to DealDash.com. Use that offer code BREAKDOWN. Or you can directly go to dealdash.fm slash breakdown to use that promo code. So that's dealdash.fm slash breakdown. Now back to the podcast. Yeah, and it's like, it's just weird little things like that I start to think about. And two, you know, we, we talk about basketball being able to maybe hear some stuff on the floor. I, I don't know if there's a sport where there are more vocal discussions happening during the dead time, right? You get a five-second play, and these guys are just jawing all the time. And it is so muted by the fa- the fans and, and TV's commentary and stuff. Like, that stuff's going to be fascinating. Because to me, like, Jake, when I would re-watch games, I would really try to listen in because they do a nice job in the pre-play of having those mic booms down there so they pick up some cadences and some audibles that those guys do. Like, we'll be able to hear all of that this year. Defense is barking out what they think is coming. Like, that stuff is going to be some of the more fascinating things. And if the NFL, like, embraces that, I think it could be a really unique situation for fans to hear, like, all of the communication. Almost like the XFL, where you got to hear the play calls. Not not that you're going to hear the play calls, but sort of the sense of, like, guys communicating pre-play and defenses barking out things and quarterbacks and offensive linemen, like your center barking out protection checks and things like that. Um, that stuff is going to be super fascinating to me. So, uh, yeah, that's a question I'd be interested to hear Stefanski answer about play calling, some of those things. I want to talk to you quick, change the topic really, about Baker. I know we've talked that you've covered him for a long time, back to his Oklahoma days. You know, year two was rocky. Um, I I think that some people thought that he was a little bit out of shape. I mean, I don't know. I I, I think it's relative, right? I don't think Baker, if I look at Baker and say he looks out of shape, I don't know, maybe he he put on a little bit of weight. I don't know, Jake, has he discussed this at all with anybody? He looks like he's in much better shape this year. And, like, do you think he's in better shape because he felt like he needed to? Did somebody put pressure on him? And do you think that this ultimately leads to, like, looking at him as sort of engaged in a bounce-back season? Yeah, I mean, I I talked to Baker a little bit about it last year. Um, You know, because he he was, you know, he was – he was definitely bigger um, certainly than he was in college, but I, I assumed that his, you know, bigger than his rookie season as well. And, you know, he said that he wanted to make sure he could withstand the punishment that you have to take in the NFL. By the way, he took a lot of punishment. He was sacked uh, more often per passing attempt than any other quarterback in the AFC. And Oh, by the way, you know, people don't talk about this, but you know, who the consecutive starting streak leader since 1999 in the Browns quarterbacks is. Um, you know, it's, it's Baker Mayfield. So he's been, you know, he got, he got drilled a couple of times last year, but is is proven to be very durable. And so I think that was the idea going into last year. Now, um, you know, beyond that, you know, was, was he, 
in the kind of shape he wanted to be, be in throughout the season? I, I don't know, but he has certainly come back in much better shape, um, which I think tells you what, what he thought about where he was uh, late in the season. He's, you know, Andrew Berry uh, said he's cut body fat. He's added four pounds of lean mass. He just, he looks, uh, he, he looks good. If you just go by the, the pictures, I haven't seen him in person yet since he, he got back to uh, Berea, but um yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, it's definitely an encouraging sign. Um, you know, there's no doubt he put the work in this offseason, not just physically, but I think mentally as well. Uh, when you talk to people in the building, just how locked in he was in the meetings and, and trying to pick up the new offense. And, uh, you know, Austin Hooper uh, said this week, you know, he stayed at Baker's house for like three weeks over two different stints, uh, you know, working out and, and getting, getting throws in with him, getting the reps in. So I think all of it is very encouraging. And, and really, uh, you know, when you look at this team, um, I think you could make the case that they certainly have a top five running back group, if not number one, um, top 10 wide receiver group, if not top five. Uh, I think their tight end position is really strong now with Austin Hooper. Um, and, and if Njoku not locks in after the, the bizarre, you know, trade request out of nowhere. And then the offensive line, like, where's, you know, if right guard is your biggest issue, then, then you're in pretty good shape. And, and I think if Jedrick Wills can be, you know, that guy, you know, worthy of a top 10 pick, you know, left tackle, uh, you know, Treader is, is way above average. Petonio's way above average. Conklin's way above average. I mean, three really good players there. Uh, it kind of comes back to Baker because everything else is in place for him to do really well and have the kind of season I think everybody thought he was going to have uh, last year. And, you know, I think this offseason certainly is encouraging for what might be to come. Well, I'll ask you this because you, like I said, you, there are a few of us that have studied him as closely as we did. You were involved in the day to day, so you, you had no choice but to watch him constantly back in college. It's like, do you think, I think last year they, they geared their offense toward trying to, to make it feel Oklahoma ish in a way for him. Now, that's not an easy thing to do at the NFL level. It's unless you unless you have the mobility that Kyler Murray does, where you can really get out and make things happen all the time with your feet, and that threat of your feet, um, you know, puts teams in a difficult position reading run pass conflict. This is going to be like I think that Baker's his his body style, his arm is built for this this type of offense, but it's a total change for him. Like he's never he's never been a consistently under center quarterback. Um, and bootlegging off of it. So I'm kind of curious. I mean, I don't know. I, I, we're not going to sit here and say he can't do it ahead of the season, but like, I'm not crazy in thinking this is still, although he's he's got the ability and the offense can fit for what his his quarterback skill set is, like, this is a challenge for him still, right? He's got to relearn and do some different things he's never done before. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is different. Um, Baker was not under center really ever in college. You know, they were out of the gun um, when it was two back or, or – one or, or, or none, um, you know, he was mostly shocking quarterback in college. And if I remember correctly, that was one of the questions with a lot of these like air raid type quarterbacks, you know, Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, can you, uh, you know, what will you be like if you're in, in an offense where you're uh, under center? Um, and I, I, you know, 2018, I, I can't even remember like how often they were under center that year. Uh, you probably would know better than I, cause I was still covering college football then, but um, it, it's, when you look at Baker, um, and again, like I think this offense is different in that, you know, play action boot, um, get him outside the pocket, which is what they did with Kirk Cousins. 
uh, in Minnesota. But, but Baker has always been a quarterback that's used his legs to make plays happen. Um, that is not anything new. And now in the past, a lot of it has been a little bit of a freelance. Uh, you know, something breaks down. You know, I got to break a tackle and go make a play. But, I mean, that was the most number, along with, you know, his, his low turnover rates. I think the most underrated part of what he can do is just, you know, avoiding sacks and making plays happen. Um, when things break down and it just wasn't a lot of that last year. Um, now I think his footwork was a mess um, in part because he knew what he had an offensive tackle. And I think it got in his head a little bit, uh, you, you know, maybe he was out of shape. I don't know. Uh, maybe that played into it. Um, and just, I think the overall lack of an identity offensively hurt everything. Um, but, you know, Baker outside the pocket has always been kind of a good thing. And, and even though the way he's going to get there might be a little bit different, um, I, I still like the idea of, of moving him around, you know, trying to cr- create, you know, easy throwing windows for him. Um, you know, he is, he is six foot, six one. Uh, you know, he's not, he's not six, six. So uh, I think when you can lower the degree of difficulty from, you know, finding people, I think that, I think that's all potentially positive. And um you know, I, I, I think the one obstacle that they have, and, you know, it's not just with Baker, it's just with everything. You know, they've had no OTAs. They've had no mini camp. They, like, Stefanski, as of, like, the other day, hadn't even met most of the guys on the team yet. When you think about that, it's kind of crazy. So, um, you know, they have a pretty steep learning curve in a limited amount of time, already constrained training camp, to figure all of this out. And, you know, it's not going to be easy for them to hit the ground running, which I think is pretty critical for them this year. When you look at the schedule, we're we're talking about making the playoffs. And to me, that's the expectation for this team, regardless of everything that's going on. Uh, Their talent is just too great. But, you know, last year, you go, okay, if they get to like, okay, let's get to three and four, you'll be all right. Because the schedule was so much easier late in the year. It's really not that way, at least at this point, looking at it. You've got Pittsburgh late in the year. You've got Baltimore late in the year. Um, you know, you can't, you can't go like one and four and I think overcome that. So they're probably going to have some growing pains, but they've got to figure out a, to, a, a way to win some of these games early. Um, if they're going to finally break that playoff drought, uh, I think it's going to be just in terms of a, a terms of a strength of schedule, looking at it, um, you know, I don't know that they, they, they can afford to, to have another slow start and bounce back. Like they could have, you know, they could have done that last year. If Miles Garrett then gets suspended, um, you know, you look at their schedule in Arizona, Cincinnati twice. I mean, the Dolphins were late in the year. There were a lot of wins that were potentially there for them, despite the slow start. I think that's going to be much tougher this time around. And so it's important for them to figure out a way to, to play well enough early to get some wins because um, they're going to need that to get into the playoff. And, and it's not going to be easy because they've had, um, you know, they're at a massive disadvantage in the sense that they have to figure out all these new concepts offensively, defensively. They've got a lot of new guys in the starting lineup on both sides of the ball. They're going to have to work in. And now on top of everything else, they're going to have to do it with a first time head coach. You know, they've got a first time GM, new coaching staff for the most part and a limited training camp after having no off season together. It's, it's not, it's not insignificant. And I think that's going to be a real key for them is 
um, you know, figuring out a way to play well early, even though everything is so new and they've had no benefit of a you know off season together. Yeah, a lot of great stuff there. Um, it, it, it's it is it is a big deal. I don't I don't think we talk about it enough. I, I had this conversation with somebody on last week's episode of this. Is is you know we're worried about and we're going to talk about some of the opt out stuff here in a moment, but like. They're obviously hurting for guard depth, and it's like, okay, they still have the two guys that they plan to start. They have some guys who can play center guard and Nick Harris and and uh, some others. But it's like traditional training camp shake, as you know, you run three units. Sometimes you can even sneak on a fourth unit in the early portions and get a ton of work. That's not the case this year. Like, they have 14 days of padded practices. They have to use all of it with the first and in, in a little bit of the second team. Like, there's not going to be a ton of reps to ha- be had for anybody who's a fringe player. So, yeah, while they might add a player or two along the offensive line just for depth in the 16-player practice squad stuff, like, it is going to be so important for them to hit the ground running with their first group and just get rep after rep that makes up for all of the lost time that this group has had to deal with. And it's it's you're right. They're starting from literal ground zero in the toughest time to do it. Not only do they have to re- they replace their whole coaching staff, they're bringing in a first-time head coach, what could be a first-time play caller with Van Pell. For, you know, Joe Woods hasn't been a defensive coordinator of running his own thing for a couple years, so that's completely new, and a completely new front office. And it's the weirdest year to do it. So, yeah, the on-field talent and the paper stuff looks great, but you have to keep it in mind. And, like, to me, if this group is able to figure it out, and I know the playoffs expanded and that helps a little bit, but if this group is able to figure it out in year one with all of the challenges that are in front of them, it's like they might have a pretty special group here. So if they do overcome the obstacles that you mentioned, I'll be I'll be really blown away because it is it is such if you have ever and this has not been an opportunity many people get in life, but if you ever become a head coach of a football team, there is so much to do. And then you take it from from the from the younger levels to the to the highest level of football. And I understand that these guys have a, a, a deep IQ for the game. I understand that they come in almost ready to go. But there's a lot of team building. There are so many things you need to, to be able to do. And for Stefanski, like you said, to just having met some of these guys face-to-face, it, to, to rush it and get it ready by week one with no preseason games, no dress rehearsals of any kind, man, if they figure it out and get off to a decent start, it's going to be like, okay, this group might be might be really nice. And I'm not saying that's going to happen. It's too early to predict it. But, like, I, I would not have had any confidence in, and this is not a, a mean knock on last year's group, but like I just don't don't see how they could have done it based on what we know. So hopefully we see this group able to be able to knock out the communication that is necessary, handle all those things. So that, that to me is the most interesting talking point is, like you said, the early in the year schedule and how they're able to handle it with such little time spent together to build cohesion from the bottom up all the way through the front office. So I'm fascinated with it, man. The last thing I'll ask you, Jake, before we let you go, you know, the opt-outs on the offensive line, like I just mentioned, uh, they obviously lose Andrew Billings. I think the five that the Browns had was the second most in the league in terms of opt-outs. Not any big names. Even Andrew Billings was a guy who they thought might fight for a starting job, but was at least depth. Like they have 40 million. I think Field Yates posted that was the most in the league heading into this point. Um, and I know they're keeping an eye on keeping some rollover money for what might be a tight cap, cap year next year. But do you see them adding anybody? Do you think they need to go get another defensive tackle now because that position group gets a little thin outside of Jordan Elliott? Or do you see them adding a guard or two heading into camp? Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to have to take a, a hard look at it. Um, you know, one of the 
things that got overlooked last year because I mean, it was just it was it was it was psycho down the stretch. I mean, everything that was happening. Um, but they were they were throwing out dudes like I had never even heard of on the defensive line late in the year. I mean, they were just signing guys left and right out of nowhere uh, to try to plug some of the holes and and obviously the defense. Now Miles Garrett being suspended was the biggest reason, but I mean that defense just completely cratered uh, late in the year and defensive line depth was a uh, uh, part of the reason why. And and you know getting Billings, uh, getting Adrian Claiborne, I thought they really did a nice job of addressing that. So at least a defensive tackle, they're kind of right back where they were. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think you got to take a look at it. Um, they only have two guards, uh, official guards on the roster in Petonio and Wyatt Teller, they're starters, uh, after all the opt outs. So, um, you know, I think that's why, you know, everybody, uh, you know, would, uh, lump in, you know, Chris Hubbard with Greg Robinson because of the tackle issues last year, uh, cumulatively, but, um, you know, Hubbard was a guy that, you know, guys on the team respected, hard worker, you know, reliable. Um, you know, I don't know that you can say the same things about uh, Robinson. Um, so uh, I thought that was a really shrewd move, and it, it really has worked out for them uh, already that they, they were able to, to keep him uh, and restructure his contract to do so. I think he's going to be a valuable piece, and this is a guy that, like, in a pinch can play guard if you need to. Uh, so, you know, him being not only really a swing tackle, but almost – I think he can be a swing guard for them as well. Uh, you know, really helps with, with all the opt outs they've had and, and Drew Forbes kind of being, you know, guy they, they thought maybe could be that backup right guard, uh, you know, behind Teller, maybe even push Teller for a, a starting job. Uh, you know, Nick Harris is a center. Um, I guess he could play guard, but they drafted him to be a backup center. Uh, so they, they, you know, they have some options, but, yeah, I mean, I think they, they probably need to go out and get a guard or two. The problem they're going to run into is, I don't know what the percentage of the opt-outs were, but it, it feels like it was like 90% of the opt-outs were offensive and defensive linemen of the 66, 67 players, whatever it ended up being. And so everybody is kind of in the same spot to some degree, where like everybody needs maybe a guard or a defensive tackle. Uh, so, um, you know, they're, they're going to have competition um, you know, for those guys. Now they have the money to, to make it happen. But like you said, um, that, that 38 million is a little bit of a, um, it's a little bit deceptive because of all the money that they're going to have to pay in the coming years to some of their young guys. I mean, we just saw Miles Garrett uh, temporarily the highest paid uh, you know, in NFL history. Uh, you know, you've got Nick Chubb, you've got to figure out what to do there. Baker has a big year. I mean, you're going to have to bring, you know, bust out the checkbook for that, uh, obviously. So, um, you know, I think they're going to be careful, and, and I don't think them. I don't see them making any big moves unless it's via trade uh, at this point. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's still work to do. Uh, you know, if you're trying to put this team in the best position possible, um, you know, you still have work to do, in my opinion, in terms of bolstering your depth at guard and defensive tackle based on the, the opt-outs that that happened over the last week. Well, he's Jake Trotter. He covers the Browns for ESPN. Make sure you're reading all his stuff and following him on Twitter at Jake underscore Trotter. One of the best doing it, man, in his early time in Cleveland. He's making his way. He's getting comfortable. Jake, I appreciate you, brother. Thanks, Jake. Before we wrap up today's episode, going to talk to you again about our good friends at BetOnline.ag. Shout out to them. They've been with us here at Blue Wire for as long as we can remember. It's been a great year with them. Hopefully you have gone there and used the awesome promo opportunities with that welcome bonus at betonline.ag. And listen, the NBA is going on. MLB is going on. 
You can bet on LeBron. You can bet on uh, MVP winners. You can bet on Giannis. You can bet on NFL futures that are coming up. Um, you know, you can bet on the Browns maybe winning over 10 games, make some real money. Who knows? Options are endless. BetOnline.ag has a fantastic offer going on with that welcome bonus using the promo code BLUEWIRE. And they also have, with the return of sports, the sit-down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing all these sports without fans in their series they're calling Fandemic. So visit BetOnline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use that promo code BLUEWIRE. Receive that new welcome bonus promo code again blue wire bet online your online wagering experts thanks for listening today shout out to jake trotter really appreciate him coming on always like i said great insight from the beat side of things we like to get different perspectives here at the obr film breakdown we'll have jake on again as usual make sure you're going and joining us subscribe to the obr where you get cbs all access which is a great feature for joining us um you know one of the many great features but you know getting a popular tv application like that is uh is a really nice perk so make sure you're joining us at the obr make sure you're giving this podcast a nice review if you can five stars always appreciated and until next time we'll be maybe be back later this week we'll see but until then go browns sugar ray leonard roberto duran marvelous marvin Hagler, and thomas hearns legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.